Good morning. Good morning. Good on you. Has it been a good morning? Yes. Yeah. It's got to be. Every time um, I'm on the Gold Coast and, you know, um, your beautiful sun, the vista, the fauna, whatever, that's a good morning, man. That's a good day to be here. You know, sometimes you don't know what you've um, got until someone takes it from you. And I reckon you guys live in a really cool part of the country. You're very blessed. Michelle, thank you very much for uh, your communion. Very good. Thank you very much. I think we need to put our hands together for our musicians. Can we give them one? And here's the funny thing. You need to clap Tamara as well. She did the sound. So she's, over the last two weeks, been doing the sound. And uh, you're doing a really good job, mate. Um, that sound was really good this morning. You know, so you're going to get better and better. I think you've got a full-time job. I think the battery might be going on this. You sure? Okay, it's just what it is, is it? Can use one of the other ones? If you want to change it. Uh, I don't mind. If you guys... It's dropping in and out a little bit, but... If you don't mind, I don't mind. Okay, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. You know, God, you know, truth sets us free. And you bring freedom into our lives. And I pray this morning, Lord God, that you would bring freedom through your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. This is dropping out. Are you recording me? Yeah. Oh, I was going to drop it again. Shall I try another one? Oh, well, I, I like wandering around, so... Hey, so I'll give you a quick bit of a rundown on Ignite Life and who we are. So Pekka and I are the senior pastors of Ignite Life Churches, Inc. And uh, this church is part of Ignite Life Churches, Inc. And um, we're based in a community, just a country town uh, called Yarrawonga on the border of New South Wales and Victoria. Um, we have another church across about 20-25 minutes away in a place called Cobram. Uh, and also uh, we have a organisation that we set up called Ignite Life Uganda, uh, where we have uh, a school of about 400 children that you actually help support. Uh, we go to Uganda when able, when we're able to, about twice a year. Uh, I know Jeanette and Rod were quite keen um, pre-COVID that you know they would come along and you know maybe some of you might get the opportunity to come as well. So we have a bunch of churches over there. Um, you've been to Uganda, haven't you? Young Lizzie. What was a great experience? Amazing. Amazing experience. And we have a bunch of churches there as well. Um, four or five. It's going to be five, I think, and at the moment it's four. We're about, we have a Bible school that's starting uh, its next term for 2021 over there, where we have about 30 odd pastors that we're training and out of that we plant churches. So you're part of, you know, um, we're not planet shakers, but we are a church that has influence and are reaching uh, a lot of parts of the world. So we have uh, missionaries in Thailand as well out of our Cobram church uh, who had to come home um, due to the COVID thing. Oh, and we have some missionaries in Carnarvon as well, working with the Aboriginal people, John and Jenny uh, Davidson. All good? Rightio. Who can remember what I preached about last week? If you don't know, you're not going to go to heaven. Just tell you now. Faith. I, I was speaking out of the book of James. 
and about how the book of James, written by the Lord's brother, who came to the conclusion that his older brother was in fact the Messiah and the Lord of Lords. And he wrote James to the 12 tribes of Israel, the Messianic Jews, who um, had found Christ. And the book, its basis um, is about faith, the different aspects of faith. Last week we talked out of James chapter 1 about uh, how James warned that we will go through trials. And if you are a Christian, that does not mean to say that you can avoid trials, that there will be situations and challenges that you're going to have to overcome. Because the Bible, he's, he's better looking than me, eh? Keep looking at this kid, will you? <laughs> this boy is a cute little fella, isn't he, eh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he knows. Him and I are going to preach this morning, so that's good. We'll do a partnership, right? Um, so you will go through trials, but you are destined to overcome. And faith is the means whereby you can overcome your challenges and in fact become a conqueror and not a victim. And faith connected with patience. Patience is incredibly important. Patience is the ability to persevere and wait for God's promise for, as Peter spoke about, breakthrough to come. And at the other side of a trial, God always promises good because God gives good. Romans 8, 28 says that. All good? All good. So I want to stay in the book of James, but I want to go to uh, verse 4, uh, chapter 4, sorry, and carry on um, out of James talking about success and that God has designed each of us for greatness. You are actually destined by God, no matter what your situation, no matter where you've come from, no, no matter how much money you have, no matter how intelligent you are, that God destined you and designed you for greatness. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Yeah. Because at the end of it, you're going to shout, yes, I believe it, I hope. So, <clears throat> greatness, God's designed you, destined you for greatness and for success, for um, blessing, for self-confidence, for great self-worth, um, and for significance. But here's the thing. Not every Christian reaches the fullness of their potential or the destiny that God's designed them to live out of greatness. And there are reasons why. And I want to kind of talk about two main reasons why, but just throw a couple in at the beginning of this. Um, do you know what? Success requires hard work. Success requires hard work. Um, success just doesn't happen. A lightning, come, a, a lightning strike comes down, and well, you're successful. It requires a thing called hard work. If you're a believer or not a believer, it requires hard work. It says in um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, Whatever you do, do your work heartily for as, uh, as for the Lord and not for people. Basically what that's trying to say is, you know, if you want to have success, you've got to, hard, you've got to put in some hard work. Lazy people do not find success. Lazy people often can dream about success, but they're not going to find it. In fact, the Bible says 
you know, about work that you were designed and created for work. I know Rod um, has some great messages about that you are designed for work. Um, Proverbs uh, chapter 10 verse 4 says, Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligence, uh, but diligent hands bring wealth. So this is not my message, but you will not find success as a Christian unless you are willing to put effort in. The word work comes from a Greek word which means energy, toil, hard work. Um, hard work is good. At the end of a day when you put effort in, there's a sense of achievement if you put effort into it. The Bible says that an inheritance gained easily doesn't last. So hard work is really important. It's part of God's design. When God put Adam in the garden, he put him in this place called paradise, but Adam's role or job was to work in the garden to maintain the garden and this place of paradise. So from the beginning we were designed for work. Now, have you ever heard the saying, um, work smart? Yeah. What does it mean? Work smart. There are people who can work very, very hard, but the information or the methods that they use fail to bring success because they are not working smart. Just because you work hard does not mean you're going to find success. It is so important that the method or the knowledge or the intelligence that you use is the right knowledge for whatever you're trying to do. Uh, it says in Hosea that my people perish for a lack of knowledge or my, my people are destroyed for a lack of understanding. How many people work and have a job? You've got a new job? New things that you've got to learn? Uh, your old job, if you were to take your knowledge from your old job, I'm sure you can take a bit of it, but if you were to take it in its entirety and try to apply it in your new position and your new uh, workplace, you would not have success. Meaning, for her new role, she has to acquire the new knowledge in order for you to be successful. True? So here's the thing. When you become a Christian, Prior to you becoming a Christian, you have learned a whole lot of stuff and methodologies and whatever that are actually wrong and won't bring you success. So when you become a Christian, it is so important that, that you understand the principle of working smart, not working with the wrong information. And that is one of the reasons why many, many Christians fail to find the promises of God because they apply in their lives the wrong, uh, the wrong knowledge. Now they work hard at it, and there are a lot of religions out there that work very, very hard, but the knowledge or the wisdom behind that effort is false. And they will not live out the true promises of God. So you are on a journey, if you are a Christian, of learning about the wisdom of the kingdom and getting rid of the wisdom of the will, the old you. You with me? Very, very important. If you want success in your life, if you want all the promises of God, you've got to know how to get it. Because knowledge is power. My people perish or are destroyed because they lack the knowledge to find success, as Hosea said. Rightio. 
So what is the right knowledge for you to find success in your life, for you to live out the greatness of what God has designed you to live out? Um, it is very, very important about how you find that and how you apply it to your life. So hard work is definitely part of it. Working smart is part of it. Working smart and finding out what you need to do to find your success through God's plan and His wisdom. Okay, I want to talk to you this morning out of James chapter 4 verse 6. Remember, James is a book that is written about faith and what faith and its applications can achieve or when faith is not applied, what they will fail to achieve. So I want to start from um, James 4 verse 6 through to 8. Verse 6 through to 8. Actually, I better look at my watch. I'm good. I'm only starting. I better be good. Okay, what time do you want me to finish? Two o'clock? One o'clock? Twelve? What was that? Thirty minutes from now? All good? Hang out for lunch. You can fast till then. Okay, James 4 through to 6. Okay. Uh, but he gives more grace. God gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud. That's what we were talking about this morning about Michael. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Verse 7, resist the devil and he will flee. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded. We looked at double-minded last week. Verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. So this verse, these uh, several verses have the word um, proud, pride, and it has the word humility. Humility, according to this book, allows grace to come to your life. Humility allows God to exalt you or lift you up or make you great. Pride, because it says God resists the the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I want you to think about that for a while. You've probably heard it a hundred times, but God resists pride, but he gives grace to the humble. What's pride? Someone give me an answer. If I were to be described as a proud person, what kind of person would I be? Maybe a little bit arrogant? You know, maybe someone who thinks that I'm maybe a little bit better than other people? Maybe I'm someone who just likes to do things my way because I think my ways are the best ways. See, proud and being, you can be a Christian who struggles with pride. You can be a Christian who, I love God, I want all the promises of God. Yes, Lord, I want everything you have for me. But you can also have this problem called pride. Think about this for a minute. Pride is someone who thinks they're smarter than someone else. Pride is someone who thinks they are, in fact, maybe even smarter than God. Because God in His book, in the Word of God... Uh, Jesus describes himself as the way, the truth, and the life. 
Jesus comes to the planet. He says, hey man, I am the way. If you want to know the path to life, I'm the one. And he says a whole lot of stuff when he was on the planet. In fact, the stuff that he said would amaze and confound the religious people at the same time, made them angry. Others were so amazed by what he said and had never heard such great wisdom because Jesus, being the way, was speaking this truth that was so different to the knowledge of what they had been hearing, the religion or whatever. But Jesus was saying the stuff that confounded people and to the point where people wanted to follow what he said. Right? Jesus is the way. Both pride is the struggle in the, inside a person that they think they're smarter. None of you would have it, eh? None of you would have it. I've been married for um, 150 years. 150 years of heaven. I've been married for about 40 years. Got married uh, six months into being married. Our marriage was going to fail. Uh, we became Christians after that. Six months into being married. And then God took me on a journey of understanding really what, it should, what, it, what I need to be. And it's still taking me on a journey of what it means to be a godly husband. Still learning. Um, but one of the things I've noticed in my life is at times this ugly thing called pride. And sometimes in my marriage when my wife has said some stuff and she says we should do this or go that way or she will have a particular opinion, me, because I'm so smart, you know, I will argue the point and take a stand that at times has come from this place called pride and thinking, I know better. Nobody here has that, no? Huh. You want to see your faces. <laughs> Remember this. The Bible says God opposes the proud. So is that just for people who don't know God? Is that just for the unbeliever or the Gentile or whatever? Or is that also for Christians that when you move into the spirit of pride, when you think you know better, when you think you know, and you will argue to the death with maybe the person you're married to and you love, and you will become entrenched. That's how marriages fail. When people become so entrenched in a viewpoint and there is no give in it, relationships get destroyed. Am I talking truth? Yeah. See, think about it. God opposes. The word oppose or resist. Now, if I were to resist you and you wanted to come past me here and I'm going to resist you, I'm going to stop you to the best of my ability of getting to the pot of gold over here or whatever it is. And you imagine God has this great destiny for you of greatness and success and blessing. But when you enter into the spirit of pride, which called Lucifer to fall in, actually, it says that he will in fact resist the Christian. When you're in your marriage or in your business or even in church, I don't know how many times in churches, people and relationships have been destroyed because of strong viewpoints and pride. Because God will oppose pride. 
God opposes, resists. Who wants to be resisted by God? Come up on the altar call and I can pray for you this morning so that you can receive this morning resistance from God. Come on. Come and receive. You won't, will you? Unless you're really dumb. I would hate, you know, when I think about this, you know, with my brain, to be guilty of God resisting my life and my success. But I know that I've been dumb enough to fall into the spirit of pride in my marriage and in other areas of my life. And even Jesus said he was the way. You know, there's a whole lot of truth that he spoke about. Live life this way, do this, forgive. If you don't forgive, it's trouble. When you fall into the category of not following his way, you are saying you are smarter than God. You are raising yourself up on the platform of pride and you will produce resistance and you will fail to reach the full destiny of what God has for you. Now, here's the cool thing about my marriage. I have a really good marriage. But that marriage has been a journey of me dealing with self and my own arrogance and my own pride and hers. She's she's got a bit. She's got a dose. But I I can't I I don't know why I'm bringing this message to the Gold Coast. They're all smart people, you're all so good, you're all life, it's happy, happy. You are the great people of God. Sometimes we destroy our lives because we use the wrong knowledge. We use the way of the world and how the world thinks. You see, the Bible says in Isaiah 55 that my ways are higher than your ways, says the Lord. How how crazy it is to resist the wisdom of God where His wisdom leads to success and greatness. I have a great marriage now because I've been on the journey, and my wife has as well, of resisting this stupid attitude of pride, of I'm smarter than God. What's that saying you've got? You, you told me the saying the other day. We were dealing with somebody who was in a situation where their uh, family relationship has gone down the plug hole. It's just in a terrible state. And this person, how's it going? Would you rather be happy or right? Such an interesting statement. This person has been, um, what's the word when you're out of relationship with someone? What is it? Separated, there's another word, but separated will do. They love, they love this person and their family, but as a result of them saying, I'm right and they're wrong, of them standing in this position of saying, I am right, They are so unhappy because they long to be back in this relationship with this person, but they're entrenched and they won't give up or give in. See, humility is the opposite to pride. Jesus says, the Bible, James, writing about faith, what kind of faith do you have? He's trying to give you the right faith. He's telling you if you are a person of faith, faith with faith, nothing is impossible. All things are possible. Greatness and success is possible to those who have faith. Says it. But pride causes real trouble. But humility 
resist pride, but listen to this, gives grace to the humble. God gives when you are humble. God gives you success. God gives you what you need in your life. God gives you happiness. But this thing called humility is like a doorway. Are you listening to me or is this? Can I have an amen? Amen. And see, I'm not coming to you because I'm smarter than you. In fact, I'm probably dumber than you. But I've learned to identify my dumbness. I'm still identifying it. And, and this understanding of when I am humble, even when I might even think I'm right in my marriage, and it's a hard one, isn't it? Now? Absolutely. You know, we get grace in our marriage. How many marriages need grace? How many marriages need God to give? How many relationships need God to give and not resist? Pride versus humility. What does it mean to be humble? Come on, give me an answer. Pick it. To not want to have your own way. To not want to have your own way. To not think you're smarter than God. Humility is the ability to put others above yourself. Humility is the ability to bend the knee to God. That's the key. When you resist Him, when you do your own thing, you are not bending your knee, you are saying that you are smarter than Him. But when you are humble and you bend your will to God, you position yourself for God to give. I love this idea of God gives. God gives only good things, my friends. He wants to give, but he has to oppose pride because pride is the reason the planet is in such a mess because the world refuses to bend its knee to its creator. He's got to show what's wrong and pride is wrong in order to lead you into right so he can give you because God gives. God gives. You know, John 3.16, the basic, God gave. His son. The more I do my journey of faith, the more I understand this generous, amazing Father who has put me on a path that has led me to blessings and life. And the quicker and the sooner I learned and keep learning to bend to Him, the more I am able to receive His goodness. It says here, God in verse 6, but God gives grace. You can read that word and just sail on by when you're reading the Bible. I love to focus on words when I'm meditating on the Word of God because there's an incredible depth and meaning. What does it mean when He says, I'm going to give you grace? That word grace has a package deal in it which is quite amazing. Grace. Resist. But give when you're humble grace. Because God gives good things, so grace must be a really good thing. 
Every good and perfect gift comes down from my Father which is in heaven. Every good and perfect thing God gives. So, God gives. What He gives is good. I love that word perfect. You said, was it someone said to me perfect? Was that you? Your new job is perfect. Such an amazing word. You know when God made the heavens and the earth, He was creating perfection. So God has this ability when He gives or when He makes to create perfection. You said that you were in a job. It was a struggle, but you endured and you prayed. You know, you persevered. You applied your faith. I humbled myself. I submitted just before. <laughs> I did. Bent the knee. Yes, I did. Truly. And now the testimony is perfect. Don't you love it? Christianity, my friends, is the most amazing answer to life. It is the best way to live. That's why when Jesus said, I am the way, he is the way. And his way leads to life, it's going, the Greek word, which basically means a lifetime of goodness. See, when you go the wrong way, your way, trouble. You can't receive. When you go the right way, you bend the knee and you submit. God creates perfection. It's not to say you're not going to have trouble because, like I said last week, that's part of the package because then you've got to overcome. My marriage, I've got to tell you, is blessed because of bending the knee. And sometimes it is hard. My finances are blessed because we have bent the knee in following his process. His way, not the world way. Can I have some more amens? Amen. Yeah. Great. <clears throat> so, the way to success is not your way. The way to true success is actually his way. He's smarter than you. He's bigger than you. He's more powerful than you. His way will lead to you making statements like, wow, this is just perfect. Oops, sorry. Don't mean to hurt the pew. <laughs> Verse 10. Humble yourself. Who humbles who? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Who humbles who? Who bends your knee? It's a choice. It is a choice. Give me five. You come back to preach a bit more? Good. I don't mind kids. I love kids running around actually. I imagine that's how Jesus would have been doing his thing. Hope you come again. There's a better preacher next week. One more. I mean, how, how perfect is that? Who made him? What's his name? Octavian. Octavian. That is a great name. Oki. Oki the Aussie has a ring. You make the choice to bend your knee. 
humility, to humble, to make yourself lower, to step down from the position of lordship and giving it to God. To place God above and make yourself low. To bend the knee to God. One of the keys, hard work, bend the knee. Humility leads to greatness. Jesus in that, um, sorry, James in that says, think about this. Again, I love these words. Humble yourself in the sight of God. You do it. You bend the knee. When you bend the knee, it says, then God will exalt you. A lot of people want to be lifted up. A lot of people want to find success. And they do it in self-edit and they do it in self-promotion. That's kind of the world way. God's way is the opposite. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. Humility is the way, bending the knee. But when you bend the knee to Him, what happens is it says, He lifts you up. Just a fantastic thought. You know all the energy that people put into making themselves great. All the effort, you know, for success. You know, and, and fighting and dog eat dog and crushing other people. And I knew a guy who was a pastor once who I was in, uh, he was the most how can I what is the word? It's not a nice one. He was so aggressive in his way to success that he crushed a whole lot of people around him. If you got in the way, he was going to crush you. And he was a pastor. He didn't find the success he wanted because he was doing it his way. But God, when you bend the knee, will lift you up. Lift you up above your situation. Lift you up above your broken marriage. Lift you up above... Your financial struggle lift you up above the unhappiness in your heart. Lift you up above, you know, anxiety. Lift you up above the lack of peace. When God lifts you up, you don't need no doctor. Because he lifts you up. Because he's the creator of the universe. And when he puts you up, nobody else can put you down. He will lift you up. I love that thought, man. So, you know, greatness is achieved. When he lifts you up. The final thing I want to finish with is found in another verse. Matthew chapter 23, 11 through to 12. I don't think you have it, or do you? Or you might have it. <clears throat> it says this. But he who is the greatest, remember greatness? among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humble. Man, don't let God humble you because it hurts. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Note the two words. Servanthood and humility. The two are incredibly linked because Jesus humbled himself when he came to the planet and became a servant to mankind. It says that he who who was God, actually God bent his knee. He left his power, his throne in heaven. He bends the knee and comes to the planet and then becomes the servant of mankind. Quite amazing. 
It's God's pet. I'll read it to you. Philippians uh, chapter 2, 5 through to 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as in Jesus Christ, who in being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, verse 7, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that which is above every other name. See, here's the thing. What I'm trying to tell you is God's ways have processes. Your ways will bring you death and trouble and heartache, bending the knee, humility, because Jesus himself bent the knee. Are you better than him? Are you smarter than him? And you are meant to be, if you are a Christian, a disciple, which is a follower of the way. We follow the way, which is humility. And the, the, the third part, I believe, in success is serving others. Serving others. Jesus came to serve in humility and the Father exalts him. God says to us that the greatest in heaven or the greatest among us are those who serve. You see the pattern? It ain't the pattern of the world. But his pattern is the right pattern. You know, it's funny, we were living in New Zealand and um, I just built a beautiful house for my wife and we had a ministry of it. it was reasonably happy it was all good and then she gets this vision to come to Australia and it's like you know number one is why did he give it to her what about me I'm, I'm you know I'm the man she starts piping on about coming to Aussie and long story short is you know I resisted and then I sense you know maybe she could be right but the wife is right yeah true <laughs> and um we came to Australia because we felt it was God. We bent the knee and submitted to his. Well, I built a really nice house, friends. It was a dream house. It had a beautiful acre and looked out and the bottom of it was a river. But we let it all go to come to this country. And I've got to tell you, 11 or 12 years later, that step of humility, even me submitting to what my wife thought God was saying, because I did argue to start, because I was smarter. Not. You know what? God has lifted our lives up way further. I get to travel all over the world. I go, I, I, I get to do stuff I couldn't do when I was at ANZ. I can't now with COVID, but I get to come to the Gold Coast. You know, we've got a bunch of churches we lead, and we're just a couple of boneheads. Amen. But, you know, we've been learning to humble and bend to His will. And he has lifted us up. Not me. I don't have to do it. I don't have to make it happen. I have to make steps of faith. I want to challenge you this morning. In particular, about humility and serving. One of the greatest struggles when you're leading a church is people who are willing to serve others. 
It can be a pain in the butt sometimes. I've got to tell you. I don't wake up every Sunday thinking, woohoo, I'm going to church. Sometimes it's like I just get up and go. Because we have life, we have challenges as well, trust me. <clears throat> I, I want to challenge you. Paul said, faith without works is dead. Right? Faith, if your faith is real, there should be aspects of humility. Where you're bending your knee to him. And bending your knee to others to serve them. Can you close your eyes? I just want you to pause for a moment and consider those two characteristics in your life. Humility. Is there evidence? And servant, servitude. Because they are the keys in the kingdom to greatness, to God lifting you up, to God pouring upon you incredible grace. Which, in fact, I'll give you the definition of what grace is. To be accepted. To receive benefits, favor, gifts. To have great joy liberally given to you. To have a life of pleasure and self-worthness. It's pretty good. The favor of God. Heavenly Father, your ways are higher than the earth. Your ways don't lead to death, but they lead to life. And God, your destiny for each of us that are here this morning is in fact greatness and incredible favor. And Lord, I pray that those keys of humility and serving others will become more and more apparent in this church and in the lives of us as individuals. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Have a great day. Hey, and you know what? Tell Rod to bring us back because I love coming to the Gold Coast. And that's totally selfish, but never mind. Thanks very much. Stay in and come tea. Don't say to that, Rod, either, because that, that's not good. Oh, does anybody want prayer? If you don't, it's all, it's all good. But if you would like to receive any prayer, you know, come up and we can lay hands on you.
got a lot of gifts. I think they just had yeah. a bunch of money. Yeah. Yeah, it's only a present. Yeah. Yeah. I play a lot. I play a lot of stuff in my house. He is doing something. He is doing something. I encourage you that what you're doing is wicked. Yeah. Mm. Do it more. Yeah. Speak more over his life. You know, Rose have been up here as I've been meditating. I feel like God's speaking to me personally. He's speaking more life. Mm. Yeah. So you keep speaking more life. Yeah. And we'll pray for Anthony now <laughs> that in times to come, we will hear the word perfect. Yeah. All right. Can you put hands on God? Oh, can you put hands on the COVID thing here or not? No, you're not allowed to. Oh, I don't know. Sorry. Come on. I didn't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, Father God, in Jesus' name, Lord, we pray for you. Lord God, it is not your desire for this man to live in the cane. It is your desire for him to live in the world open his space and something God. Yeah. Where he can hear your voice clearly and see your direction. So, Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name. From his spiritual eyes, take the plug in his ears out and to replace the heart of stone that he has the heart of flesh. In Jesus' name, I pray for a breakthrough in Anthony's life. Holy Spirit, we thank you for Anthony. Lord, we pray that you would fall off the fence on the right side. Yes, Lord. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we speak to him. We declare he is a child of God. Father, we pray that one again, that Lord, the wind of the Holy Spirit, your wind, Holy Spirit, would push him over the side of the fence that is the kingdom. In Jesus' name. Father, we bind the enemy, we bind his lies. Father, we resist the plan of darkness and speak the plan of light. In Jesus' name. Father, in Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray for strength, we pray for wisdom. And we pray, Lord, for great joy to be in that house. And Lord, that in times to come, we would hear the name perfect. That you do your yes. perfect thing. Yes, yes. That you would bring your perfect name and your perfect eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we release you, Holy Spirit, spirit of encouragement and power, more joy. Yes, Lord. And that words that flowed of faith. Speaking into being. Hallelujah. That which isn't as if it is. Yes. Father, in the name of Jesus, just a spirit of strength and courage. Thank you for the joy of this morning. Jesus. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, Michelle. Michelle, come on. <laughs> <laughs> have you been, you, you look different from when I came last, when we came last. Good. Have you been like, um, I don't know, you're looking really good, that's it. Um, he's been hearing me and telling me to pull myself together and put the past to the past. He's giving me a little kick. Um, still, Let's go. He's still kicking. <laughs> <laughs> I need a lot of kicking. <laughs> we pray for a big one, so I'm really seeing it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Can we just pray in general for you or anything specifically? How's your kids doing? That's what I want to talk about. You just know, don't you? <laughs> okay, I've, I've 
take me to church, they've got God in their hearts. There's just some resistance, and I've got to let it go and know that it's God's job, the Holy Spirit's job, that it's not me failing, and, you know, just, yes. yeah, I just need to hand it to him. A great, a great um, comment that I don't know if you know, Sam Chan is a Christian leadership um, who talks about those times when we were kids Faith is a conviction and a confidence about something that is true.